Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through Matrix on May the 5th, 2011. I always get this over at the beginning of the broadcast, so it's a reminder to look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Help yourself to the audios which are available for free download. Lots to choose from and hopefully by the time you're finished, if you can get through them all, you'll understand the massive superstructure that overruns way above government, way above all governments, in fact, of the world, and brings in this global system for the few. Uh, designed a long time ago, big agencies, big, in, big um, foundations involved in it, big banking foundations and everything, and the global elite, all the elite families across the planet, really made a club a long time ago and decided they'd never let their power go. They must make sure of their own survival down through the ages, as they bring our populations down by various methods and so on. And they view us basically as farm animals. And our usefulness has been very good in the past to bring in the world empire, but we're getting to the stage where they claim there's too many of us and they don't need us all so much anymore. So it's quite a, an interesting journey I'd take you on through the audios. Remember, too, all the sites listed on the com site have transcripts, too, of a lot of the talks for print-up and you can go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, for transcripts in other languages. Remember, too, you can buy books and discs that I have for sale, and hopefully that will keep me going. If not, too bad. That's the way it will go. And um, from the U.S. to Canada, you can order using an, a personal check or an international postal order from your post office. You can also use PayPal to order. Use the donation button you'll see in the com site. Follow it with an email with your name, address, and order. I'll get it out to you. And straight donations are really appreciated, believe you me. Cash is okay, too, to send from the U.S. to Canada. Across the world, you're left with PayPal, with PayPal to order and donate, and you're left, too, with Western Union or MoneyGram. But, as I say, I try to show you the traps we fall into uh, we're managed all the, all the way through our lives. We're managed. Your parents were managed all through their lives too. And when you go back into very old books of the top clubs, like the Cubs from Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs, same deal actually, ones in Britain, ones in the U.S., their brother and sister, uh, you, you can find their plans for World War One, uh, two, and ongoing wars to take over the resources of the world. They were doing that right from the very beginning when they were comprised mainly of the Cecil Rhodes Group that blended with the Milner Banking Group and became the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Grab all the world's resources. That was all the things of wealth for, for their big corporations. They knew would come along, which they would own, of course, and also all the food supplies towards the end of it. And that's what you're in today. You've been living through the takeover of the world's food supply as well. So uh, there's nothing surprises me personally as they go through their job of standardizing the world into one system. And the last few countries that don't use usury, it's against their religion, the Islamic countries, uh, are being bombed into the Stone Age 
and uh, either they're to be turned into democracies, these, four, these phony democracies that we all have, of course, where governments pretend uh, very poorly, I should add, too, they pretend to serve the people, and uh, they really serve the ruling elite. There's always been a ruling elite in every country, and, uh, and as Huxley himself said, I don't see why they, they wouldn't always be there. There's no reason why they would be taken down by any means possible. They have so much behind them, so much science, so many foundations, think tanks. Uh, they own the military. They own uh, the sciences that, uh, for weaponry. And they didn't sit back waiting for nasty things to happen to them. Uh, they've got it made, they say, at the top. And now they're going for the, the final run, the final finish. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And yesterday I mentioned an article where the U.S. Uh, was putting in intelligence officers for PSYOPs to learn to work with, uh, actually to learn their trade really from mainstream media. So they were sitting in on television stations and so on to see how the public had been managed so far by the, the, your general um, mind manipulators and spin merchants, which is the mainstream media, which works for, of course, uh, through their membership in the Council on Foreign Relations and the globalists. They work for the, the establishment, those who own and rule America. Uh, Britain is exactly the same. They even have a cabinet officer in Whitehall who really is put there. This position is, is always there, uh, un- unelected, of course, and he makes sure that whatever government comes in follows the right track uh, that laid down by the establishment, those who own Britain. And it's the same in the United States. It's nothing, there's nothing different about that at all. But so the establishment will always be here. And the intelligence services, you remember too, back in the 50s onwards, were getting all this futuristic training at the very high levels of a, post, uh, a post-democratic society, a world society. Uh, internationalism and the end of sovereignty as they blended everything together. And they, and they had various articles out even back then, if you look in through the, the net and so on, where they talked about winners and losers and winners and losers. It's always about winners and losers because that's how they see things in a Darwinian perspective. And they talk about civilizations coming and going and coming and going. And then they're always talking about that's the masses, you see, that come and go and die off and all that kind of stuff, as you've seen down through history. And there's big, good, profound reasons for them dying off down through history because the elites always make sure that's what happens when they move out with their cash and their systems and money into some other area to start a new empire. However, I've mentioned before this article, I've gone through it, it's well worth uh, reiterating it and going over it again because it ties in with what's happening now. For those who are, who are falling, and I mean falling, uh, for the stories put out by PSYOPs, uh, because you see everyone's supposed to argue about impossibilities like the Osama story and uh, stuff like that. And they do. They, they grab a hold of it, chomp at the bits, and you're supposed to get all upset and everything else and full of righteous indignation, which you do, of course, because it's such a farce anyway. But uh, it takes up your time and so on. When all this is going on, uh, they're, they're, it's, it's got, it has different outcomes, even personally a different outcome, because if you get tied up in the arguing of what you know to be ridiculous, 
with other people, uh, you, you start to feel inadequate at the end of it all because you can't resolve anything. It's like 9-11. We all know what happened. We all know, saw the buildings coming down and controlled demolitions. But it doesn't matter what you know because it's the masses who go along unconvinced. The, the masses are quite happy with the stories put out for them. It makes them feel better and safer that, that Big Brother is looking after everything. And we are run by psychological operations in reality. And this article was written by an intelligence officer back in 1997, and it touches on a few topics and uh, to do with psychological warfare on the public. And it also mentions the new American century, and yet if you don't understand why we're going in the middle, we're all through the Middle East and all through the Bush regime too, the, going through the Middle East, uh, you, you'll understand nothing about what's happening today. But they touch on it here. And this officer, and remember too, as I said before, don't forget, we've got short memories now, don't forget these officers are trained to be post-national and international and winners and losers for a, a dominant minority to come through, and they see themselves as part of that. And that's why in their own uh, project predictions for the next 30, 40, 50 years, and I've got them up in my archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, you can go in and, and find them. There's one from Britain, one from the U.S. Army, and they talk about uh, eventually we'll get a world government. It won't last too long. It's not meant to. It's more of a, a putting the flag in and, and the oak, the laurel leaves around them or the oak leaves around them for victory, and then they'll split up the world into major city-states as the rest of the population are dying off, obviously. So this, this, this guy, and I'll put these links up again tonight at cuttingthroughmedias.com. And it's from their major magazine. This is back to 1997 from the military. It says, we've entered an age of constant conflict. Now, remember that term, constant conflict. And they're already in it, remember, from the first uh, attack on Iraq, as Iraq went into Kuwait to try and get it get to stop using that new horizontal oil drilling system, which they're going under into Iraqi soil and taking all the Iraqi's oil. That's why, that's why Saddam attacked them, by the way. It says, we've entered an age of constant conflict. Information is at once our core commodity. Now think about that. Our core commodity and the most destabilizing factor of our time. Destabilization. Right? Until now, history has been a quest to acquire information. Today, the, history, the challenge lies in managing information. Managing information. Now, your countries have had departments of information, like Britain and so on, since World War I. All major things that are put out there go through one department. And they, so they want you, whatever they put out, they want you to talk about and chat about and argue about. Those of us, now listen to this terminology, those of us who can sort, digest, synthesize, and apply relevant knowledge soar professionally, financially, politically, militarily, and socially. We, the winners, are a minority. Remember that. We, the winners, are a minority. He's talking about the, the, this class, you see. Not your country. We, the winners, are a minority. For the world masses, and that includes everyone listening out there, we're all part of this, this big bulk of things called the masses, devastated by information, devastated by information they cannot manage or effectively interpret. Life is nasty, brutish, and short-circuited. Because information is meant to make you go round in circles and get nowhere. 
The general pace of change is overwhelming and information is both the motor and signifier of change. Those humans in every country and region who cannot understand the new world or who cannot profit from its uncertainties. That's like all the guys in the stock market and on your food now. They've got that up in the futures. They're gambling on your food. Is it going to be a bad crop next year? And all that kind of stuff. So they know how to profit on uncertainties. Or who cannot reconcile themselves to its dynamics will become the violent enemies of their inadequate governments, of their more fortunate neighbors, and ultimately of the United States. We are entering a new American century in which we will become still wealthier. To talk about we, remember going back to we, we the winners are a minority, right? In which we will become still wealthier, culturally more lethal, more lethal, culturally lethal. Think about that. You think you're degraded for just because it happened, evolved that way? Culturally more lethal and increasingly powerful. We will excite hatreds without precedent. We live in an age of multiple truths because all your information is managed by these characters, the guys who write this stuff. He who warns of the class of civilizations is incontestably right. Simultaneously, we shall see higher levels of constructive trafficking between civilizations than ever before. The future is bright and it's also very dark. More men and women will enjoy health and prosperity than ever before, yet more will live in poverty or tumult if only because of the ferocity of demographics. There will be more democracy, and, and, and this guy pretty well admits that it's a, it's a myth anyway, democracy, that deft liberal form of imperialism and greater popular refusal of democracy. One of the defining uh, bifurcations of the future will be the conflict between information masters and information victims. Information victims, eh? In the past, information empowerment was largely a matter of insider and outsider, as elementary as a division of society into the literate and illiterate, while superior information, often embodied in military technology, killed throughout history. Its effects tended to be politically decisive, but not personally intrusive, once the raping and pillaging were done. Technology was more apt to batter down the city gates than to change the nature of the city. The rise of the modern West broke the pattern. Whether speaking of the dispossessions and dislocations caused in Europe throughout the introduction of machine-driven production, or elsewhere by the great age of European imperialism, an explosion of disorientating information intruded even further into broader structures of everyday life. Historically, ignorance was bliss. Today, ignorance is no longer possible, only error, error. So a lot of those folks who think they're actually educated and they're up on things because they're following all the stuff that guy, these guys, these disinfo merchants put out, the PSYOPs op- operators, they're actually in error. And they're laughing at you when you fall for it. And he says, the contemporary expansion of available information is immeasurable, uncontainable, and destructive to individuals and entire cultures unable to master it. The radical fundamentalists, the bomber in Jerusalem or Oklahoma City, the moral terrorist on the right or the dictatorial multiculturalist on the left are all brothers and sisters, all threatened by change, terrified of the future, and alienated by information they cannot reconcile with their lives or ambitions. 
They ache to return to a golden age that never existed or to create a paradise of their own restrictive design. They no longer understand the world and their fear is volatile. Information destroys traditional jobs and traditional cultures. It seduces, betrays, yet remains invulnerable. How can you counterattack the information others have turned upon you? There's no effective option other than competitive performance. And you can't afford competitive performance because you've got to have the truth to start with as well. For those individuals and cultures that cannot join or compete with their information empire, there is only inevitable failure. Of note, the Internet is the techno-capable, disaffected, uh, um, what the United Nations is to marginal states. So you start with Internet as basically a tool for them. It gives an illusion of empowerment and community, it says. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back. Cutting through the Matrix. Reading an article put out by the Military College of the U.S., as I say, it's, it's to serve an elite twin. They're all taught that too. They know that they're, they're going towards this global system and it's the end of nations and so on. But they give a lot of the bag in the article because it's, it's really aimed at their own kind. You see people coming into that field of mind manipulation and, and information manipulation. He says here, uh, again, just to recap, he says, uh, the internet is to the techno-capable disaffected what the United Nations is to the marginal states. It offers the illusion of empowerment and community. How many friends have you got? They're all fake, most of them. The attempts of the Iranian mullahs to secede from modernity modernity has failed, although a turban corpse, here's the terminology they use, because they really hate these people too, of course, the turban corpse still stumbles about the neighborhood. Information from the internet to rock videos. Now think, listen to this. Information from the internet to rock videos will not be contained and fundamentalism cannot control its children. Our victims, our victims, you hear that? Our victims volunteer. Because you see, everything that will come from this article that I'm going to read is telling you they've already degraded all of you to utter filth. And they actually go into that. And they use television for 50 years and Hollywood, and specialists in degrading cultures. These non-competitive cultures, such as the Arabo-Persian Islam, or the rejectionist segment of her own population, rejectionist segment of her own population. The reason I'm repeating this is because, as the guy said at the beginning, most folk can assimilate information. They can so the ones who reject the segment of our own population are enraged. Their cultures are under assault. Their cherished values have proven dysfunctional because they've been made to be dysfunctional. And Britain is utterly multicultural, and that's not working either because they're all breaking up into their separate societies, all vying for power. And the successful move on without them because within each culture, there's those who know to play the game, how to play it and get up there out of their own culture and move on up into the elite, you see. Actually, they're picked and selected for it, as I've mentioned before. The laid-off blue-collar worker in America and the Taliban militiamen in Afghanistan are brothers in suffering. He's saying this almost in a gloating manner, isn't he? 
It is a truism that throughout much of the 20th century, the income gap between top and bottom narrowed, whether we speak of individual countries or, in some cases, continents. Further, individuals or countries could make it on sheer muscle power and the will to apply it. You could work harder than your neighbor and win in the marketplace. There was a rough justice in it, and it offered near ecumenical hope. That model is dead. Today, there's a growing excess of muscle power in an age of labor-saving machines and methods. In our own country, we have seen blue-collar unions move from center stage to near irrelevance. The trend will not reverse. At the same time, expectations have increased dramatically. There's a global sense of promises broken, of lies told. Individuals on much of the planet believe they have played by the rules laid down for them in the breach they often have not only to find that some indefinite power has changed those rules overnight, like the global treaties and the, the G20 and stuff like that, the stuff I've gone over here so many times, the Council on Foreign Relations. And look at the European Union. Nobody wanted it. They did it in secrecy for years. They lied that it was going to be end up with a super parliament. And they got it. So it's changed overnight, you see. Some indefinite power, some indefinite power has changed those rules overnight. The American who graduated from high school in the 1960s expected a good job that would allow his family security and reasonably increasing prosperity. For many such Americans, the world has collapsed, even as the media tease them with images of an ever richer, brighter, fun world from which they are excluded. These discarded citizens, this is in the 90s, folks, this is, you know, they, they knew they were going to crash your bank. Again, these indefinite powers, you know, just, just crash your banks and make you, and then they borrow from the world banks and down you go. These discarded citizens sense that their government is no longer about them, but only about their privileged and he's not going to deny this in his article either. Some seek the solace of explicit religion, most remaining law-abiding, hard-working citizens, and some do not. The foreign twin is the Islamic or sub-Saharan African or Mexican university graduate who faces a teetering government, joblessness, exclusions from the profits of the, cor- of the corruption, distorting his society, marriage and poverty or the impossibility of marriage, and a deluge of information telling him, exaggeratedly and dishonestly, how well the West lives. And who was doing all that stuff? Well, it was guys like Brzezinski was doing all that back then when they created Al-Qaeda. In this age of television series franchising, videos, and satellite dishes, this young, embittered male gets a skewed view of us from reruns of Dynasty and Dallas, or from satellite links beaming down Baywatch, sources we dismiss too quickly as laughable and unworthy of serious consideration as factors influencing world affairs. But their effect is destructive beyond the power of words to describe. Hollywood goes where Harvard never penetrated. And the foreigner, unable to touch the reality of America, is touched by America's irresponsible fantasies of itself. He sees a devilishly enchanting, bluntly sexual, terrifying world from which he is excluded, a world of wealth where he can judge only in terms of his own poverty. I think this is the same guy in the military who wrote the speech for Bush, where he says, they hate us. They hate us. Remember that? And they made sure that they saw these reruns, mind you, abroad. And at home, too. The American dream, you know, that fantasy, the dream. Back with more after this break. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix talking about uh, PSYOPs operations and the higher levels of military intelligence. They're all basically compartmentalized right to the very, very top, of course, and they serve, those at the top serve uh, the elite, the dominant minority, as they're called, the ones who own the country, own the game, own the world's cash, and so on. Anyway, he goes on to say, most citizens of the globe are not economists. They perceive wealth as inelastic, its possession at a zero-sum game. If decadent America, as seen on the screen, is so fabulously rich, it can only be because America has looted one's own impoverished group or country or region, which they eventually did 11 years after this was, article was written. Adding to the cognitive dissonance, the discarded foreigner cannot square the perceived moral corruption of America, a travesty of all he has been told to value, with America's enduring punitive power. How could a nation whose women are all harlots stage desert storm? It's an offense to God, and it must be a, a demonic answer, a substance of conspiracies and oppression in which his own secular, disappointing elite is complicit. This discarded foreigner's desire may be to attack the great Satan America. That was a term uh, that they, they borrowed from Ronald Reagan, who first used it on uh, Gaddafi, by the way, the great Satan. But America is far away for now, so he acts violently in his own neighborhood. He will accept no personal guilt for his failure, nor can he bear the possibility that his culture doesn't work. The blame lies elsewhere. The cult of victimization is becoming a universal phenomenon and its source of dynamic hatreds. It is fashionable amongst the world intellectual elites to decry American culture with our domestic critics amongst the loudest in complaint. But traditional intellectual elites are of shrinking relevance, replaced by cognitive practical elites. This is what they call them, by the way. Cognitive practical elites, they train them and put them out for you to follow. Figures such as Bill Gates, Steven Spielberg, Madonna, or our most successful politicians, human beings who can recognize or create popular appetites, recognize or create popular appetites, see? Re- re- recreating themselves as necessary. Contemporary American culture is the most powerful in history and the most destructive of competitor cultures the most destructive of competitor cultures. While some other cultures, such as those of East Asia, appear strong enough to survive the onslaught by adaptive behaviors, most are not. The genius, the secret weapon of American culture is the essence the elites despise. Ours is the first genuine people's culture, really. It stresses comfort and convenience, ease, and it generates pleasures for the masses. We are Karl Marx's dream and his nightmare. This is what they teach them at the higher levels. Secular and religious revolutionaries in our century have made the identical mistake imagining that the workers of the world or the faithful just can't wait to go home at night to study Marx or the Quran, while Joe Sixpack, Ivan Tipchini, and Al Kuwait would rather Baywatch America has figured it out, and we are brilliant at operationalizing our knowledge, and our cultural power will hinder even those cultures we do not undermine. So the job is to undermine all cultures, and see, see, they started on America itself and finished with America. There is no peer competitor in the cultural or military department. Our cultural empire has the addicted 
men and women everywhere clamoring for more, and they pay for the privilege of their disillusionment. American culture is criticized for its impermanence as disposable products, but herein lies its strength. All previous cultures sought ideal achievements which, once reached, might endure in static perfection. American culture is not about the end, but the means, the dynamic process that creates, destroys, and creates anew. If our works are transient, then so are life's greatest gifts, such as passion, beauty, the quality of light on a winter afternoon, even life itself. American culture is alive. But who creates it all? There's a culture industry, isn't there? This vividness, this vitality is reflected in our military. We do not expect to achieve ultimate solutions, only constant improvements. All previous cultures, general and military, have sought to achieve an ideal form of life and then fix it in cement. Americans in and out of uniform have always embraced change, though many individuals have not. Remember, change is good. This is, that was a slogan for Obama. This is before Obama came along. And their conservationism or conservatism has acted as a healthy break on our national excesses. American culture is the culture of the unafraid. Ours is also the first culture that aims to include rather than exclude. The films most despised by the intellectual elite, those that feature extreme violence, and to the victors of spoils, sex, are our most popular cultural weapon. And it works, of course. And how they know it works is because, you see, they used it on you and your parents before you. That's why. Works perfectly well. Bought or bootlegged nearly everywhere, American action films, often in dreadful copies, are available from the upper Amazon to Mandalay. They're even more popular than our music because they're easier to understand. The action films of a Stallone or Schwarzenegger or Chuck Norris rely on visual narratives that do not require dialogue for a basic understanding. They deal at the level of universal myth or pretext, celebrating the most fundamental impulses, although we have yet to produce a film as violent and cruel as the Iliad. They feature a hero, a villain, a woman to be defended or one, and violence and sex. Complain until doomsday itself. The enduring popularity abroad of the shop-worn Rambo series tells us far more about humanity than does a library full of scholarly analysis. When we speak of global information revolution, the effect of video images is more immediate and intense than that of computers. Image trumps text in the mass psyche, and computers remain a textual outgrowth demanding high-order skills Computers demarcate the domain of the privileged. We use technology to expand our wealth, power, and opportunities. The rest get high on pop culture. If religion is the opiate of the people, video is their crack cocaine. When we and they collide, they shock us with violence, but statistically, we win. As more and more human beings are overwhelmed by information or dispossessed by the effects of information-based technologies, there will be more violence. See, they already went through uh, taking away your privacy uh, even before this was written in the 90s. And they knew that would cause violence down the road as eventually you get forced into more and more of it. And you become uh, just a, 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 a cow that's owned by a master. As work becomes more cerebral, those who fail to find a place will respond by rejecting reason. We will see countries and continents divide between rich and poor in a reversal of the 20th century economic trends. Developing countries will not be able to depend on physical production industries because there will always be another country willing to work cheaper. And, of course, these boys will make sure of that. The have-nots will hate and strive to attack the haves. 
and we in the United States will continue to be perceived as the ultimate haves. Not anymore. States will struggle for advantage or revenge as as the societies boil. Beyond traditional crime, terrorism will be the most common form of violence. This is in the 90s. Terrorism will be the most common form of violence because they already uh, saw the century of change by bringing in terrorism. They needed it to make to bring in all the, the information age spy on you. But transnational criminality, civil strife, secessions, border conflicts, and conventional wars will continue to plague the world. See, they already had their whole plan for the New American Century uh, published when this guy wrote this one. And every country in the Middle East, they would take it out right across to Asia. And it says, uh, albeit with the lesser conflicts statistically dominant, in defense of its interest, its citizens, its allies, or its clients, or its clients, interesting term, private armies and stuff, the United States will be required to intervene in some of these contests. We will win militarily wherever we have the guts for it. They can't lose. It's the biggest military in the world, and most mechanical too, and technological. There There will be no peace at any given moment for the rest of our lifetimes, right? I'll repeat that for the hard thinking. There will be no peace. At any given moment for the rest of our lifetimes, uh, there will be multiple conflicts in mutating forms around the globe. Violent conflict will dominate the headlines, but cultural and economic struggles will be steadier and ultimately more decisive. The de facto role of the U.S. armed forces will be to keep the world safe for our economy. Now, remember, he's talking on behalf of a we, a small minority. He says we, who are a small minority, not the masses. Safe for our economy and open to our cultural assault. Open to our cultural assault. Think about it. To those ends, we will do a fair amount of killing. We are building an information-based military to do that killing. There will still be plenty of muscle power required, but much of our military art will consist in knowing more about the enemy than he knows about himself. And you remember who are all listening are the enemy folks as well. Manipulating data for effectiveness and efficiency. Manipulating data for effectiveness and efficiency. And denying similar advantages to our opponents. This will, be invo- or this will involve a good bit of technology, but the relevant systems will not be the budget vampires, such as manned bombers and attack submarines that we continue to buy through inertia, emotional attachment, and the lobbying power of the defense industry. Our most important technologies will be those that support soldiers and marines on the ground, that facilitate command decisions, and that enable us to kill accurately and survive amid clutter, such as the multidimensional urban battlefields. The only imaginable use for most of our submarine fleet will be to strip out the weapons, dock them tight, and turn the boats into low-income housing. Well, that's a little joke about the lower classes, you see. There will be no justification for billion-dollar bombers at all. They knew then they were going to put drones out there. For a generation, probably much longer, we will face no military peer competitor. Our enemies will challenge us by other means. The violent actors we encounter often will be small, hostile parties possessed of unexpected, incisive capabilities or simply of a stunning will to violence or both. Renegade elites, not foreign fleets, should worry us. The urbanization of the global landscape is a greater threat to our operations than any extant or foreseeable military system. We will not deal with wars of real politic, but with conflicts spawned of collective emotions. Interesting, eh? Conflict spawned of collective emotions, substate interests, and systemic collapse. Hatred, jealousy, and greed, emotions rather than strategy, 
will set the terms of the struggles. We will survive and win any conflict short of a cataclysmic use of weapons of mass destruction, but the constant conflicts in which we selectively intervene will be as miserable as any other form of warfare for the soldier and marines engaged. Uh, the bayonet will still be relevant. However, information superiority incisively employed should both sharpen that bayonet and permit us to defeat some, but never all, of our enemies outside of bayonet range. Our informational advantage with every other country and culture will be so enormous that our greatest battlefield challenge will be harnessing its power. Our potential national weakness will be the failure to maintain the moral and raw physical strength to thrust that bayonet into an enemy's heart. In other words, to slaughter. Pilots and skippers, as well as defense executives, demand threat models that portray country X or Y as overtaking the, overtaking the military capability of the United States in 10 to 20 years. Forget it. Our military power is culturally based. Our military power is culturally based. They've risen a whole army up, a whole generation up on Xboxes and so on to kill. <laughs> they cannot rival us without becoming us. Wise competitors will not even attempt to defeat us on our terms. Rather, they will seek to shift the playing field away from military confrontations or turn to terrorism and non-traditional forms of assault on our national integrity. Only the foolish will fight fair. The threat models stitched together from dead parts to convince Congress that the Russians are only taking a deep breath or that the Chinese are only a few miles off the coast of California uniformly assume that while foreign powers make all the right decisions, analyze every trend correctly, and continue to achieve higher and higher economic growth rates, the United States will take a nap. On the contrary, beyond that beltway, the United States is wide awake and leading a second industrial revolution that will make the original industrial revolution that climaxed the great age of imperialism look like a rehearsal by amateurs. Only the United States has a synthetic, synthetic ability. The supportive laws and the cultural agility to remain at the cutting edge of wealth creation. But they punder off you too once you create it. And he goes on about see, freedom works. He says, in the military sphere, it would, it would be impossible to rival or even approach the capabilities of our information-based force because it's so profoundly uh, an outgrowth of our culture. Our information-based army will employ many marvelous tools, but the core of the force will still be the soldier, not the machine, and our soldiers will have skills other cultures will be unable to replicate. Intelligence analysis fleeing human complexity like to project enemy capabilities based upon the system's potential opponent, opponents might acquire, but buying or building stuff is not enough. It didn't work for Saddam Hussein, and it won't work for Beijing. But then they go into basically how they're bringing up generations to continue this perpetual war. The information dictator for average middle-class child, you call it kids here, is terrifying to anyone born before 1970. Our computer kids function at a level foreign elites barely manage, and this has much to do with television commercials, CD-ROMs, and grotesque video games, as it does with the classroom. We are outgrowing our 19th-century model education system, as surely as we've outgrown the manned bomber. In the meantime, our children are undergoing a process of Darwinian selection in coping with the information deluge that is drowning many of their parents. These children are going to make mean techno warriors. We just have to make sure they can do push-ups too, as is we joke there. Because, you see, they've trained the generations in advance for this time. I've always told you, you're living through a script. Every generation is. They plan a hundred years ahead and more. 
He says there's a useful German expression, uh, uh, der Lag war immer uh, so ernst, he says. That translates very freely as the sky has always been falling. Despite our relish of fears and complaints, we live in the most powerful, robust culture on earth. It is con- its discontinuities and contradictions are often its strengths. We're incapable of five-year plans, and it is a savaging grace. Our fluidity and consumption technology on the battlefield is a strength our nearest competitors cannot approach. We move fast, and our military, at our military best, we become Nathan Bedford Forrest riding a microchip. But then they go into 2015 and beyond. It says we will be receiving systems into our inventory that will be no more relevant than Sherman tanks and prop-driven bombers would be today. We're not providing for tomorrow's military. We are paralyzing it. We will have the most human agile force on earth, and we're doing our best to shut it inside a technological straitjacket. And then they go about the hierarchical structures and so on, and how they'll keep managing information and getting more and more high-tech weaponry out there, etc., 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 and keep training the children uh, to walk out of school, re-enter the uniform. And they'll manage, of course, the propaganda for the child all through his life. And then, of course, they go into uh, the debasement, how they'll debase all other cultures and so on uh, with their techniques uh, through managing culture creation, debasement, and so on. Since the next century will indeed be American, but will also be troubled, we'll find ourselves in constant conflict, much of it violent, because it's planned that way. The United States Army is going to add a lot of battle streamers to its flag. We'll wage information warfare, but we'll fight with infantry. We will always surprise those critics, domestic and foreign, who predict our decline. And that's one of the intelligence officers who teaches these guys in PSYOPs that are using it against you as well. We, the winners, are a minority. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and I'll put that article up or the link to it up tonight and you can save it for yourself. So it might disappear one day. I've read it for over a few years, once once or twice, uh, because you've got to bring your back to reality, yourself back to reality uh, from the heads, the top levels of those that serve the establishment, is it called, the minority that rule and own your country. And that's this is how they think. They show you how they think. He, and this guy is obviously a top lecturer to to high candidates that get into this particular elite of psychological operations. Not the lower levels that go out and works with the TV boys. Much much higher than that. And they've got the whole future planned for you. And um, they're basically talking about winners and losers. And of course, the masses are the losers. But they do go into how they degrade the world with their culture. Uh, and it works well because, you see, they already did it in all of you. And remember what they accomplished, the dissolution of the family unit. Um, they've got women now who are quite happy to have abortions. They don't really want children at all. And and on and on it goes. Uh, everybody goes out to weekend parties. For young guys, it's just a candy shop, all the available women who don't even need to know their names or necessarily want to. Uh, that's what they want to push across the world, a completely dysfunctional society that really can't function very much longer the way it is. Can't do it. None can stand like that. And that's history for you too. 
And they know this at the top because you're not supposed to stand, you're supposed to merge with Canada, as this other article I'm going to put up tonight will show you. They've got some things wrong with it, um, but it's to do with Canada-U.S. integration and Stephen Harper. There's one little video where Harper talks at the G20 about the need to give up certain amounts of sovereignty and how we can't make decisions as a country anymore. We're global. And what is global? He's talking about the global system that helps to run the system. It's called the G20, understand? That no one elects, and you did not give any permission to any politician to be in the G20. No one was ever asked, you mind you have this international new parliament, basically. But you'll hear him basically endorse it, and he talks about Fortress America, and and so on. I'll put this article up to some of the, the, the it's more against anti-conservative this article, but uh, that the liberals believe you and me are just the same. They're all members of the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, regardless of what party it is. And even one of the guys mentioned here, the former elected leader of the Canadian National Party of Canada, I think, is also a member of the CFR. So they they haven't quite been honest with you, but the rest of it um, is pretty well true about the integration that's still happening yet and how literally uh, the U.S. and Canada will have basically uh, a border going around the coasts in in the north and and again down the east and west coast, and that will be our our new type of country. And then it will last for a certain amount of time, obviously, and then be sold off piecemeal like they're doing in Britain. And tomorrow I'll read some articles on how they're actually selling off parts of Britain now, and regions, uh, making regions off and then selling them off as well. That is happening. So don't fall for all the stuff PSYOPs throws out deliberately for you to grab and run with and argue with and so on, because too many times when you end up with being having utter frustration, as I say, with righteous indignation, uh, you'll feel more and more helpless or despondent or depressed, and that's a psychological war that's been waged upon you. Don't forget that. Don't ever forget that. Always keep your sight in, or your goal in sight and always retain your memory of what really is going on. And look around what they're doing right now is to keep you spun and arguing and feeling indignant about things. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.